Charlie McGee is a healthy eight-year-old girl, normal in every way. Charlie, now watch what you're doing. But one. Did she do that? What are you going to do with her? I'll bring her here so you can do all your tests. And you give her to me. Charlie has the power. Do something bad, but you still love me. She can set things on fire. Something's happening in there. With just a glance. It is a power she does not want. Stick with him. Daddy, I'm scared. So am I, honey. A power she cannot control. Back up. And each night, she prays to be just like every other child. We haven't got her yet. We will. But there are those who will do everything in their power to find her to control her. Charlie! And maybe destroy her. Charlie! Come to me, Charlie. Go! You're gonna have to burn it down. I mean, burn it all down. Charlie McGee is Stephen King's fire starter. Will she have the power to survive? Okay. Howdy. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I'm here with Dave Atterbury. Hey, how's everybody doing? And Mr. Chris Tyler. Feeling hot, hot, hot. That's right. And we are uh, doing another one of our cast cast protection episodes where we talk about the influences of Stranger Things. And this one was uh, high up on our list, and it's very apparent why if you watch this film, and that is Firestarter. Um, starring Drew Barrymore, Martin Sheen, George C. Scott, and I forget the name of the dad character. It's David, David Keith. Uh, David Keith, there Not you go. Not Keith David. Right, yes. that's what... <laughs> we already saw him <laughs> earlier in the thing. That would have been All awesome. Right. I, I know, I was like, I, when I saw his name, that was the first thing that popped in my hat, and I was like, oh no, that's not right, okay. But this that would have been cool. the white guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> um... This of is course, an adaption of, uh, an adaption of Stephen King's novel of the same name, and definitely a big influence on, I would say, Eleven's part of the story for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to do our commentary just like we've done before, and we're going to, I guess, get started right away. So you guys are queued up, ready to go? Uh, yeah, we have our files all set at, uh, 0000 on the timestamp. Yep. So get whatever your media of choice is ready and, uh, do the same thing and we'll do our countdown. Three, two, one, click. When we say click, hit play and we should all be synced up and you'll be ready to roll. So, uh, everybody's ready. You ready, John? I'm ready. You ready, Dave? Let's do it. All right. Three. To who? One. Click. All right. And we've already started the Starfield and the Tangerine Dream. Oh, my gosh. I love this logo. I love this music. I I love the soundtrack, too. (laughs) Yeah. It is so of its time. Is it Dino De Laurentiis picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, I have a lot of uh, Tangerine Dream music from movies in the 80s, even with movies I don't even like. <laughs> well, why not? Just, it's like, yeah, you can grab some Vangelis, grab some Tangerine Dream. 
Mm-hmm. It's funny because this style of music is all over YouTube now. There's a whole yes. spectrum of synthwave music. And I have been listening to it over the last week or two. And it's great <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's really like you're back in 1983, 1984. Yep. Yep. Yeah, this weekend, actually, uh, on, on Apple Music, there was a recommended for you. And I think maybe, I don't know if it was because I was searching for Tangerine Dream on the Apple Music, but um, it was, you know, a playlist of... I think the first track was the title track from Stranger Things and then all like music of a similar vein. And it was a great mix of new stuff and then stuff like this from, from the same era. So very nice. Excellent. Yeah. The soundtracks, uh, it actually, it's funny. It is like an electronic, you know, kind of score and synthesizers and all that, but you know, it's got a very distinct sound than, let's say, like a Carpenter, you know, pen score or something like that. Oh, yeah. You I would mean, de- a very much more moody or I don't know. Yeah, you would never mistake it for a Carpenter score. No, 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 no. And I love this is the first time I've seen this film and I love that it started just right in the action. Yeah, there's no uh, we get we get the backstory filled in later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember watching this one a lot as a kid on, uh, like, HBO and cable. Yeah, this was all over uh, cable for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Drew Barrymore. And this is her fir- is this the first movie with her? Was this her debut? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, wait, let's, oh, wait, is this after E.T.? This is after E.T. It's got to be after E.T., I think. I think uh, it's, a, it's they're both year. 84, right? Or is this 84 and that was 83? Uh, uh, let me Google that for I'll you real quick. I'll right out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Look, after 30-plus years, all of our stuff kind of runs together. It's okay. Yeah. In my head, E.T.'s 82, but if you tell me it's 84, I'll uh, totally Maybe it's 82. It. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. This one was definitely 84. I knew that just because I had looked that up before. So we've already uh, seen our S2 for unnamed male protagonist uh, push this cab driver, mm-hmm. as they right. call it in the film. Yeah, and his nose is bleeding because he did something with his mind. Hmm. Where have we seen that before? I don't know. <laughs> the Fantastic Four? <laughs> or the X-Men? Uh, yeah. Oh, you mean Eleven. Eleven. Yes. Yeah. Our favorite, our favorite runaway. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of the noise? The noise that happens when he pushes them? It's a little bionic man, but it's all right. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. First, I was like, "Well, that's kind of cool," and then I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." I kind of wish he didn't have to like grab his head every time he did it. It's almost a yeah. Little, it's a little much. It is a little, a little much. much. I think the the sounds pretty good though. All well, right. it's funny because they say earlier like, "Don't let him look at you," or "Don't make eye contact," or however they however they worded it. And, you know, so then it's like, well, why does he have to grab his head then? Because they make it sound like if he just gets, you know, makes eye contact and he can. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and just to dive right in with the, you know, the 
comparisons to the book, I think that's that's them trying to deal with one of the biggest issues that typically comes up with King adaptations, which is all the internal monologue with him, you know, all the thoughts in his head in the book and the pain of every time he uses his power and, and how it's slowly killing him. And, you know, so they, they show like, you know, they're, I think they're trying to get that across as best they can without a bunch of voiceover, you know? Yeah. Go. Look, it's, it's, do for, do for Howa. I thought you were going to talk about Heather Locklear, but whatever. No, I'm a Dune nerd. I can care less about Heather Locklear. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if it's not clear yet, we've we flashed back uh, to show how they got their powers to begin with. Yes. Kind of the. Uh... Obviously, a big inspiration for Stranger Things, but they didn't show any of this. We, we get, we do get the, yeah, no, we do have Hopper going through the newspaper and the microfiche mm. about the tr- experiments that were being done. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think I don't think I've seen the movie this movie since I read the book. I remember. I watched this movie a ton in the 80s, and then I started reading King in the early 90s. So I'm just trying to remember, you know, and it's been 25 years since I read the book, but um, how much of this was in there. He's got a real Kurt Russell look going here. Yes, I was going to say. Oh, he totally does. Look at me. I'm so handsome with my blue eyes and my mullet. Yeah. I did not get a chance to read this one just yet. I think it was oh, maybe okay. next on my list to get to, but I jumped ahead and and read it uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't so, think this one's quite as long as it. So <laughs> no, I, it's sitting. Right, I'm looking at it right now. It's on the shelf across from here, and I'll read it shortly. But it's one of the lean, mean uh, early books. Um, it's a quick read. Like it's one that you start and you just don't want to put it down. Yeah. Um, Kill Heather Locklear. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. She looks so young. I mean, yeah. she is so young, obviously, but man. Yep. Yeah, super young. What's and, crazy is, uh, you know, the more I got watching this, and I and I did enjoy this movie, I was like, man, that he he really did have a big thing for ESP. And psycho connect powers, whatever you want to call it, at least in right. his early work. I mean, this is a very, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, very similar to different parts of Carrie. Yeah. And of course, like I read the Dead Zone earlier this year. You know, that's a big part of mm. that as well. And you know, he really had a thing big, for that in his early, or The Shining even. I yeah. Mean, the Shining too. So I mean, that's the, I mean, in a, in a unified. Stephen King theory. I mean, is it is it all the same thing that they have? Is Danny's shine the same as the push? Is it the same as Carrie's power? Like you know, right? So, um, I would say yes. I think that's the way Stephen King eventually wrote it when he kind of came back to it all in his later books that tied it into the Dark Tower. Okay. Yeah. Because that was a big part. Um, spoiler alert for old books, but <laughs> in the uh, in the Dark Tower books, um, eventually the characters come across like people like um, 
Danny Torrance and others have been taken and used to like use their mind powers against the Dark Tower to try to get it to fall by the um, Man in Black and his ilk. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, Carrie, uh, the way you, when you read Carrie, it's like a flash, it's all told in flashback, and it's, yeah. it's almost like a documentary style. And this is very much in the present, they're on the run, and you get flashbacks to fill in the gaps, just like in the movie. This is a, th- <laughs> we were talking earlier, uh, before we started recording, and, um, Jonathan had mentioned that Stephen King hates this adaptation, <laughs> but this is, in, I was thinking before we started recording, this is probably the most faithful adaptation I've seen of a Stephen King book. Um, yeah. With the least amount of changes, I mean, this is, if you go read the synopsis on Wikipedia of the book Firestarter, you're going to think you're reading the synopsis of this movie. <laughs> I don't think there's anything different other than George C. Scott really doesn't look like an Indian. But, <laughs> no, they um, kind of make him a little swarthy and gave him long hair, but... Yeah. Yeah. My next question is, how much cocaine do you think Drew Barrymore was doing already? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. Too funny. <laughs> She's actually, you know, in some parts I'm like, I think she... Is having a hard time, like child acting wise, and other times I'm like, yeah, you know, she's she's pretty good. Well, yeah, it's kind of fifty fifty. Yeah, really. she's she's better in ET. Yeah, and again, well, that again, Sp- Mark Lester is not Spielberg, so right. Yeah, no. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, when you when you hang a lot of this movie on this child, um. You know, I think they they must have gone with Drew Barrymore because of the E.T. thing, and she already had some kind of street cred as a child actor. Well, she's but also, you can, also coming from the Barrymore family. Right. So. But you can see, like, when you go with, like, a slightly older girl like Millie Bobby Brown in Stranger Things, how much more uh, emotional range you get out of it. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's interesting, too, why I was saying it's similar to Carrie, besides the final, like, showdown, is, like, Andy here, it's it's burning him up or using him up or slowly killing him to use his powers, you know, kind of like how Carrie, like, melts down. Right. Um, at least in the book. I can't recall in the movie if they really show that the same way. No, Whereas, I, and I, that gives me, like, great concern for what's going to happen to Eleven. Like, I wonder if she'll suffer any... You know, yeah. ill effect over time from what she's doing. Now, this is interesting. Is this the, I think, is this, he just used his psychic power to like make the payphone drop all its coins. Is this the only time he does anything other than the push. pushing people? Yeah. No, I think, is it, I thought there was one more time later he did something else, but. I, I've only seen it. Oh, the TV. He was not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He changes the TV. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Charlie can also sense things that are just a few minutes away from happening. Precognition. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So he got some bleed over in the powers. Okay. Yeah. He switches when he quits. Spoiler alert. When he quits taking his pills at the shop, he then is able to switch the TV, and that's how he knows his powers are coming back. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, this whole opening part of the movie makes – this is what makes me think, like, 
you know, you could have made a like a TV show or a longer story out of this with them. Yeah, like the Incredible the, Hulk style yeah. on the run. Yeah, on the run all the time. Never yeah, know the who they can trust. Um, you know, with a little bit of power usage every now and then. Yeah. Um, this yeah, is a big this... difference between uh, airports then and airports now. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can just walk this pre nine eleven airport here. Well, it's funny because there's a lot of that. I've noticed when we go back and watch some of these older movies, there's 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 so many things like like that where, you know, it's a different world, to, man. Yeah, if you try to set a movie like if you set this movie in a contemporary setting, you'd immediately like have to deal with like being tracked by cell phones and facial recognition cameras and you know it's just oh. I can see why throwback stuff like Stranger Things is coming in vogue because it, it opens up more possibilities story wise you know yeah a good writer can work around those constraints though um, I mean that's the the Friday the 13th reboot even did that I mean the, the place yeah. where all the, the kids get killed there's no cell phone service well, there you go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's there are ways to work around it, it, it or you, right. you make one of Charlie or Andy's powers that they can scramble electronics. You know, oh, they, sure, so sure, sure. It, it, a little bit of thought, and you can kind of do away with that, right? Ah, look at all those gray suits. Not men in black, <laughs> men in gray. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the Lonely Man theme should be playing right here. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. They need a, at least a bag over one shoulder. So. <laughs> they have a bag of quarters, and that's it. <laughs> I do think uh, they do a good job of, like, just they're, like, desperate, you know, always on the run. They're being, like, hunted like animals, you know? Like, yeah. they're, like, yeah. they're yeah. really ragged. Yeah, Andy always looks swarthy. <laughs> Yeah, oh, hey, he's dirty jacket. Oh, this doesn't help when they roll down the hill here, but yeah, he could have caught her better than that. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> but then we would have this uh, exciting scene here. It'd been awesome if she had uh, pulled an eleven there and just sent the eighteen wheeler like up onto the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to quote The Exorcist there, but I, I won't do it. That would have been much too vulgar to display of power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I guess reviews of this were not kind. They, they said it was boring. <laughs> it's like, I don't know where you get boring out of this. It's not a shoot 'em up movie. It's 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 a thriller, and it's about a father yeah. and daughter this you know they're not going to be shooting anybody they have their own powers and when they allow themselves to use their powers they are lethal yeah and you yeah. at the same time like we know they're being hunted but you also have to keep them sympathetic you, you know it yeah. would be easy for them to just let loose and slaughter everybody in their way but they intentionally i mean they're they're good people or they're trying to be good people and do the right thing well that's the interesting part too like i could totally see an early 80s version of this movie with way more like with a higher body count and it's got a pretty high Um, body count right 
but it's also like they don't again they don't really they don't stray from the book they don't um you know everything that happens this movie in terms of like who dies and how many people die and when bad stuff happens it it follows the the novel pretty closely well and you know both of their powers you know are like offensive powers like his is basically you know taking someone over which is like a big invasion you know and hers is to destroy stuff so uh you know it's good that they're trying to not just you know use and abuse it i guess but yeah yeah they never really explain um and i don't know if they do in the book because it's clearly been several years since the two of them have been together uh, do they ever explain that you know did the, did the government give them jobs or did they just keep them in a, co- a compound you know with their eyes on them i mean because you don't you're not really going to wear a shirt and tie unless you're going to work right right so yeah and they mention here that like they you know they're getting calls from people that are basically just checking up on them constantly from the shop um, I can't remember. Oh man, that beige phone! I think everybody had that beige phone. Oh yeah, we did. With the super long cord. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what cereal that was on the top of the refrigerator, and I couldn't quite make it out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And he's got a satchel. He's definitely going to work somewhere. He's wearing a corduroy jacket and a satchel. He must be a college professor. <laughs> Is there patches? He's got elbow patches on we'll the find jacket. Out. We'll find out. Let's get the reverse <laughs> angle. No patches. No, no patches. No patches. Yeah. Okay, so all right, so it's, it's like a real job. Can't be all right, so guy. he's probably an office. He looks drone. like he's like a bank teller. Or, yeah. yeah, an office student, something like that. He's got sneakers on, yeah. so it's something that's mm. maybe works with a newspaper. Ah, I thought this was pretty messed up. I was like, I didn't know what was going on here. And every time I see the blood on the washing or the dryer, I think that they shoved her in there. But no, she's small. She's what? not that small. Why? So they just got the call. Was the go- the call? This is like a total Michael Myers setup here. The body. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was the call that she like the cold call they just got when no one was on that? Was that to find out that they were there so they could come do this? Yeah. Or was little... it? It's a little ambiguous. Like, if that was the yeah. case, then they should have taken off running if if they knew that you know it was them. I guess I just wasn't clear, like, why they showed up and killed her right here. Yeah. I guess you're, they came to get uh, Charlie or whatever, but... Well, her power would be just as valuable. She's a mind reader. Right, she, you're right. That's right. her thing, right? Why she's would a you, telepath. Why would you... It'd be the greatest espionage tool ever. Oh, yeah. You could dress yeah. her up and say she's going to record the minutes from the meeting, and she could just be probing every single meeting you'd ever have with the head of state or anything. And it would be invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. So that does make sense. I think if I remember right, they – I think their powers grew over time. 
But I think one of the reasons that I think they let these two go because she became pregnant so quickly after the experiment. And I think they wanted to see if something would happen with the kid. So I think the idea was that the shop only let him go so they could basically go and have Charlie. And then they were just waiting to see if anything happened with Charlie. And I think we're supposed to infer maybe from the whole toast thing that, that her powers are just starting to show up. And so then the shop has showed up to snatch. Gotcha. That makes sense. And then here we are, you know, where they kill the mom and, you know, so. Yeah, because, I mean, Hollister wants to keep them as weapons and Rainbird wants them dead. Because he, yeah. he realizes the potential threat. Well, I thought that was a cool, you know, we'll get to that. But at first, you know, cause it, they set him up as he's a bad dude, you know. So mm-hmm. I was I was thinking he wanted her to, like, be a killer or an eliminator or whatever they call him um, as well. But, you know, you're right. He wants to take him out. That's that was pretty harsh. You're blind. That's uh, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty messed up. Yeah, that's a sweet station wagon. Uh, yeah, it's not a Woody, but it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and he's wearing the same clothes from that encounter, so that's just you know days ago. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, because since we started, like, in media res, you're not sure okay, you know, so how long it's been. I, I just noticed this last night watching this, like, Martin Sheen on the bicycle. <laughs> I just, like, I never it's really like, uh, like, never really stood up. I'm like, why is he like riding? Michael Michael Bluth here. Like, why is he riding his bike? He likes this, to like... keep fit, you know? He likes to keep in shape. <laughs> you know, you got to figure so the shop strange. is a whole compound, you know? I'm going to ride my bike. Man, when he walked in here, I didn't know until I saw the opening credits that he was in this movie. I knew nothing about this movie. Somehow I've gone my whole life and not seen this movie until now. And oh, wow. when he walked in, I was like, ah, it's uh, Jed Barrett, the early years. Or Bartlett. Bartlett, sorry. Jed Bartlett, mm, the early years. Bartlett, yeah. I think my dad has that tie. And look at his hair, man. His oh, hair. It's glorious. Is, it is an epic like poof on the top of his head. I mean, it's really impressive. It still kind of looks like that on uh, Grace and Frankie. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying he's just got a good head of hair, man. His teeth are all gone now, but hey. Ah, uh, George C. Scott's butt. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure what to think of him at first here. It's an interesting portrayal. <laughs> well, he's clearly Native American. Come on. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, his, his portrayal is kind of all over the map when you think about it. Like, in these scenes, he plays it real, like, low-key. Like, he doesn't yeah, say he's anything. Yeah, like, indifferent or aloof. Yep, very aloof, very quiet, just kind of hangs out. Looking you know, tough. But, but then another – and, like, later in the movie, he, he, he's, he, he's more cackling, maniacal, like, you know – crazy joker style bad guy you know what i mean right. like right it's interesting yeah 
Sorry, I'm, I'm just loving Thu for how it's monologuing here. Yeah, I'm not even gonna so... look you in the eye. I'm just gonna point at you. Yeah, it's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's glorious. But I love what I love the stuff that he says in this scene because mm-hmm. it's, it's some of the stuff that, again, a lot of it came through. I remember in internal monologues in the book, even from other characters, that he's getting across. Um, because I do remember Charlie at one point. There's some there, there's there's an inference that like her power is growing and that she like touches it and and it's so vast that she she feels that someday she'll be able to like affect the sun, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those kind of moments that works in a Stephen King book, but it's all you know it's it's that in in the character's head type moment. You know, that he can write so well that he try to translate into a movie and, you know, that's what he's getting here is trying to get across that she's, you know, can crack the planet in two, basically, you know. And how does he know that, though? I mean, that's... Well, he's just speculating. Right. Because he, you know, that, and that's what he says. He's like, she's, she's got this best. power. Right. And their power is based off of something we did with the pituitary gland. So he's basically inferring that when she hits puberty, all bets are off in terms of how powerful she'll be. Do not be the first boy to sleep with her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, in, and in the book, and in the book, I think she's closer to puberty than than like the age that Drew Barrymore is in this movie. I think she's more like 11. You know, like like and I say 11, the age, not 11, the character like, well, both, I guess. You know what I mean? Like she's more, she's old enough yeah. that you think like she'll like be able to make, like she'll be able to make it on her own by the end of the book. You know what I mean? She she doesn't, she can actually like survive on her own like just barely. Whereas that's here, a, we'll come back to that at the very very end. But yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Yeah, I was like, twenty months. Is that all puberty is? Is twenty months? Well, I you, think that's. I remember the that's main, like the main part that's of like, it. That's the main like kickoff, and then the effects last. You know, they keep yeah. trucking to you know for years after that. I think that. I'm still going through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If my complexion has anything to say about it, I'm still... <laughs> thankfully that stopped a while ago. Oh my gosh! Seriously. Um, Well, you, well, you guys all have multiple kids, so your puberty mm-hmm. periods are going to last like 60 months combined. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> get ready for five years yeah. of hell, boys. Well, that's, dude, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. My daughter, my sweet baby girl, it's always, I've always been her favorite, and the switch has flipped, my friends. Like, <laughs> it, Yikes. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid of her cracking the sun with her powers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I totally get what he's about here, saying, like, hey, when this girl hits puberty, watch out, because, yeah, I have to dodge fireballs on a daily basis now. Oh, so, um, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it won't last forever. No, That's right. no, no, no. Yeah. But, yeah, so they started the show in D.C., this is the shop is in Virginia. I think it said yeah. Longmont's Virginia or yeah. somewhere like that. Yes. Yeah. So we're assuming there's somewhere, somewhere in Maryland or Virginia or something like that, right? 
Yeah, I can't tell if they're traveling north or south. Well, he tells the guy that picks him up that they're headed to Tennessee. So that would be south. And then and right. west, yeah. And they go to their farm for a while, but they eventually end up where they were trying to get, which is the cabin. So I assume that's is the cabin supposed to be Tennessee? I guess I mean, so. Again, forgive my high school geography, but Tennessee is kind of a ways from D.C., isn't it? I mean, well, D.C.'s in like the border of Virginia and Maryland. But Virginia is like a really wide state. Right. I mean, if you go west in Virginia, the tail goes out pretty far, and then I think it's not too far from there to Tennessee. But ladies and gentlemen, no, Art Carney, Art Carney. Now, were they were they living in Maryland too? I mean, I know we started with an aerial shot of D.C. Was that? Well, like like Chris said, you assume because they're clothes and stuff, maybe they're not too far from their initial escape from these guys, you know, that we just saw where he picked yeah. up at the friend's house. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I seem like that area, but, yeah, I guess it, it doesn't really matter. It, sh- but. it showed geography. Yeah. yeah. We don't know how far they got in the – we don't Look, know how far if Jon Snow the- can send that raven to Daenerys in like a day, then oh wait, Game of Thrones spoilers. Do sorry. not think about the, the do not think about the geography of Game of Thrones. Do not think about it. You'll, you'll- I don't. I don't care a bit about it. So that, that episode was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> zombies and dragons. Oh my. Oh my. Um, oh my. Uh, yeah, I love these. These 80s government thugs are hilarious, you know? Oh, yeah. All it takes to be intimidating is a sedan and a crappy suit, you know? And a walkie-talkie. And a walkie-talkie. <laughs> E.T. style. No, no, those were shotguns. Come on. Mm-hmm. The original yeah, were shotguns. Sorry, they were shotguns, yes. No retcons. No, no retcons, Steve. Sorry, Steve. Wait, then he put it back. He... He put it back the right way. In yes, the Blu-ray I have, at least, they put it back. I think I've got the version with the walkie-talkies. I've got um, I got the 25th anniversary one or whatever, 30th anniversary. It's good the DVD has both. Yeah. Got so. it. Yeah, that's what I got. <sighs> yeah. Oh, isn't this picturesque? Yep, it's so pastoral. It's like the Kent farm. Oh, my God. Okay. Ratchet. We'll run away. Back. Run away. <laughs> I know, it's so right? funny you say that because by the end of the movie, I kind of think, oh, this is her uh, super Superman in the field by the kindly farm people moment. Yeah. <laughs> Just picking up strangers on the road for lunch. You know, the usual. As you do. Yeah. As you do. It was a different world back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, my coworker came in the office today, and he was running a little late, and he said he stopped and helped some people on the side of the road. Now, he didn't bring them home, but uh, he helped them get a record for their car or something like that. So, I mean, definitely it's not a foreign idea, I guess. No, but. it's not a foreign idea. It just doesn't happen as much now. You, cause, yeah. You know, the world it's, is a little bit scarier now than it was. Yeah. Or we've just made it scarier because we worry so much. Oh, well, it's both. It's both. Yeah. Uh, she's hungry. Oh yeah. yeah. So how do you how do you wrangle Akani into this production? Money? Got to be money. I guess. 
How big was Art Carney? Was he like big? I don't I mean, know. I'm only I'm only I'm, I'm 37. <laughs> That's what I'm Come saying. On, like. <laughs> to me, he's just like old man number six, you know, like in the studio lineup. So. My agent got me this picture. See, it's a Stephen King picture. <laughs> Something with the vampires or zombies? I don't Some know goddamn thing. And Louise Fletcher is like 30 years too young to be his <laughs> wife. Uh, I know, right? She's. It's so hard seeing her as anything, either Nurse Ratchet or uh, her character from Deep Space Nine, which is basically Space Nurse Ratchet. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I knew she looked familiar, but I didn't put her in Deep Space Nine until just now. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've only seen one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest the one time. Oh, man. that's I could watch that one at the drop of a hat. <laughs> that That is Honeywell's favorite movie. A favorite book, I should say. I was going to say, I've read the book, but I've never seen the movie. Oh, my God. Do what you got to do. Seek it out. It's it's great. You you will and not you will not be disappointed. It's a excellent movie. Yeah. And, just, and, and just seeing, I mean, everybody that's in it, Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd and uh, um, Jack. Brad Dorif and Jack and Vincent Chiavelli, it's mm-hmm. just, it's great. Great movie. Cool. I love how he says a shop like they're gonna know what the right, shop right, is. Right, 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 you know? Eh, you know, they could have been rumors. The shop. This guy's oh. a, this guy's an old guy. He's probably heard stuff. Yeah. See, whenever I think of like John Rainburn in this book, I don't know why I was like I think of Will Sampson. Speaking oh, of, if they had one yeah. flu, yeah, you know, because that would have been a he, a good pick of somebody that like comes off very nice, but then suddenly they could flip a switch and yeah, you know that would have I mean? been yeah, that's a little more. <laughs> that would be like the ideal casting, right? Well, that's what I was kind of hoping for, you know, watching this again. Um, that there'd be more of a uh, kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing going on with him. I mean, there kind of is, but I don't know. See there, she knew before he said anything. Yeah. Oh, now she's getting her vision. I imagine they've they've probably got kind of a psychic connection a bit too. Hmm. A psychic rapport, as uh, right. as Claremont would call it. There you go. Yeah. I remember this. Oh, you see how he's sweating? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good attention to detail. The little They do a pretty good job with the little details like that. It could be easily overlooked. And you know what? It's a simple effect. Grab the spray bottle with the glycerin in it. Give that a little spray. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just got in trouble for breaking a thermometer as a kid because I was playing with it on the, the stove. I was, well, I was trying to recreate the <laughs> – I was sticking it. You know the old stoves where they had like that – the curly Q type element, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sticking my mom's thermometer on it and, yeah, she got pissed. 
Well, if it was an alcohol thermometer, no one's going to get hurt. If it was a mercury thermometer, don't want to play with that. I'm pretty sure it was mercury. Eh, why not? It was the 80s. We didn't yeah, care about mercury care. back then. Turns you into men. Or lead. I like how I do like how this guy he's ready to he's ready to throw down. I mean he's yeah. ready to like fight the federales here. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, talk about the times. That was kind of a you know like he he, he says here in a minute like did I wake up in Russia? You know where's your <laughs> warrant? You know that was that was kind of a pretty prevailing attitude along a lot of people back in those days. You know. Oh, it's it's still that it way still down is. here, man. Oh, oh yeah. I know where you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. There's a lot of federales. It's a lot of gray suits. Yeah. No joke. I feel like that guy on the right has a kind of character actor face I've he seen before. He looks so familiar. Yeah, he does. He's a weird looking dude is what he is. Yeah. <laughs> I got my, I got my rifle. A deer rifle, a deer gun, as he calls it. Oh, that guy on the left's got the uh, square bottom tie. Mm. You knew it was the eighties. Oh, that dude is so familiar. <laughs> I got, I have a theory. I gotta check something. All right. All right. So vamp, vamp. Google food. Google food. I like, I like these, like that part where she's like, please don't make me do anything. And there's a few other moments like that. I feel like those are some of her, I like the way she says that, or like, I like the, I feel like it's some of her better acting. Yeah. It's more of the, like when she's trying to turn on the tears and cry and hugs on her dad and stuff, it seems kind of like, okay. (laughs) A little more forced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why you don't pull guns on the feds, though, right there. Yeah. One classic, of many reasons. Classic 80s feds, though, with the little teeny, the little Ooh, teeny he, revolver. That guy's... Oh, okay, it was his arm. I thought it looked like the guy on the left's hair caught on fire when that was holding Andy, but... Everybody's red-faced. <laughs> oh, yeah. Burn. All right, it's not who I thought it was. Never mind. I was trying to figure okay. out who that guy was. Yeah, any movie that has this many full body burns can't be that bad. No. Uncle Owen in Peru. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Yeah, they. I mean, they 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 spent the money where they should have. It's all in the explosions. (laughs) The movie's called Wastada. They start fighting. And this is an instance of, uh, you know, maybe there's a connection, maybe not. But I remember loving the scene in X-Men 2 where Stryker's guys come to pick up Wolverine and Iceman and Rogue Mm -hmm. and Pyro. Yeah. And there's a very similar scene to this where he stands on the porch and basically burns them all up blowing the cars up and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, I right. wonder if that was an homage to this, because it's very... It's it shot insane, very yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is very much... Uh, I mean, it's very much X-Men, really, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. 
in a lot of ways. Dude, she blew him away. I don't think she's. There's not enough cars left for all these guys. Some of them are on foot now. (laughs) Run! Like, um, we blew up all the cars. And I do think it's cool that she does it with, like, what appears to be no ill effect other than, like, the mental, you know, cost of, yeah, her, her spiritual cost of it, you know. Well, he, yeah, he, he's he's ready to fight, man. Yeah. Take one of our cars and get out of here. Never come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's dead bodies all over our front lawn. No joke. The chickens are going to be well fed this year. Oh, jeez. so they drive into the evening so they they go pretty far from wherever they're at to wherever they end up here in the this looks like Tennessee to me it's beautiful yeah it's awesome yeah I, I I don't know how you can say this movie's boring I think it does slow down in this part a little bit, and when they first get to the shop, yeah. I feel like it slows yeah. down quite a bit. This whole first hour, though, is or first forty-five minutes or whatever you want to call it, has been it's pretty nonstop. You know, yeah, nonstop yeah. chase kind of chase movie. It, I, I do think it does slow down in the middle a little bit before the end, but I was surprised well, yeah, at the runtime. The runtime's pretty long on this one. Yeah, right, just about two hours. Yeah. Well, they try to keep everything in, and um, and that's kind of the, the the spot that they're in. If they kept this movie where they're on the run the whole time, it probably would have been more exciting. But but that's not where that's not how King wrote wrote it. You know, yeah. he, he he gets them captured here and gets them sent off to the shop. And the second half of the story is really all about the uh, the mental battle that John Rainbird wages. You know, against Charlie trying to. You know, mess with her head, basically. Turn her to the dark side. Right, right. So, um, yeah. I don't think you can really fault them because they they followed the book. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now this house they're at in uh, it's totally a Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> yeah. murder house for sure. Right Looks on like, the lake. Yeah, yeah it does Good look like. Place. And this is like a you know similar vintage film to like the to that time. So I mean, even looks a lot like it just in its decor and everything else. Don't you, don't you love how people in movies always have a relative with a cabin somewhere you can just go run off to whenever you need to? Like very yeah. convenient. Very convenient. There's, there's always a uncle or brother. Somebody's got a freaking. Uh, <laughs> A remote cabin. We'll go. We'll go to the remote cabin. And of course, the government always finds it in about five seconds. Yep. <laughs> They're going to Uncle Johnny's cabin. I know it. 
I guess it's better than going to Uncle Tom's cabin. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey now. <laughs> oh. I, I don't think I've seen him in another movie than this. Um, I didn't look up his IMDb. Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah, I never saw it. Uh, oh, come on! I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing I think oh, I think I think I might have watched that movie. He's in uh he's in U five seven one. I think that's the last thing I saw him in, and that's Jesus, that's oh. about fifteen years old now. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta I, be. I remember uh, that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on here first. I'm like, what in the world? I'm just gonna scare. Right. I mean, he's scary looking right there. That's for sure, though. Yeah. Interesting. He's a smile. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, I'm sorry. He was the dad in, in the Ben Affleck Daredevil. Yes, yes, he was. Yeah. So this whole like method of killing he likes, where he smacks your nose and supposedly sends bone up into your brain Shrap and kills you instantly. Yes. It, I mean, is that like real? <laughs> um, the if you do strike the the nose, you can get the actual bridge of the nose too. It's not. It's definitely overdone for the movie, but again. Okay. It's, it's a Stephen King book, so yes, it, sure. Give the villainous Native American a super death blow, death blow, death blow. Oh, that's oh, that's yeah, it's old. Okay, it's an old engine trick. I got it. Sure. <laughs> I didn't write it. Stephen King did. Send your hate mail to him. He doesn't. Do you think he cares? Come on. So he was, he was, awesome. him and you know what? He was doing more blow than Drew Barrymore was at this time, anyway. So I don't think he cared. <laughs> Um, I think this is a little bit before that, but yeah, that time was coming for sure. This might have been one of the ones. I don't know. I, you know, I've been wanting to go back and reread all his books and kind of uh, follow along on the side of like biography as well as yeah. the fiction. Well, so. Some of his writing can only clearly be explained by the use of substances. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Chimney Rock Lake, because they were just at the post office there. Oh, okay. Uh, is in North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. So maybe the line about Tennessee was just a just to get screen. just to get moving. Yeah, because he was using fake names at the time, anyways. So okay, got it. North Carolina. Okay. So a lot of denim on denim in this movie. A lot of Canadian tuxedos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got a, man. See, I would never have known. I guess a Rainbird is a, it's very Native American sounding name, I guess. But I didn't know if that was just like his call sign or if that was his actual name until he starts wearing his more like Navajo style poncho jacket thing in the second half of the movie. Right. I didn't know that he was supposed to be Native American. I thought he was just like some weird, crazy, like special forces guy or something. Yeah. Which I think he is that as well. Yeah, he's supposed to be a Vietnam vet, right? Right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just loving the the weird decor in this shop mansion. 
like very army memorabilia and just kind of it's very it's like genuine. It's yeah. very much like uh, it's very similar actually to like the X Mansion in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like you're an right. actual house that's got all this other stuff inside it. Yeah, there's no way I would put my feet in that green water. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. Are you serious? I, I'm from the Northeast, man. We have green water, but it's not like putrid green like that. Yeah, that might have been color for the movie, maybe, but <laughs> it's not the Chicago River <laughs> on St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. <laughs> right. So this is kind of interesting that they know about him sending letters and they go to all the trouble of killing the mailman to stop the letters from yeah so yes kill the messenger right which is kind of interesting because I remember in the end one of the few differences I remember from the book to this is just actually the very end where Charlie goes to the media she chooses um, Rolling Stone Rolling Stone, because she figures it, it it doesn't have any political ties that would be influenced <laughs> by the shop. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I know. That's that's the again. Stephen King. Lots of blow. Liberal leanings. It all kind of comes together. <laughs> Poor old Stephen King. Such a. Oh, I don't feel any sympathy for him. He's loaded. Oh man. Oh, I don't either. Yeah. I just mean like. For all of this and crazy old liberal Stephen King, I take that what you will. Uh-huh. Yeah, those statements. I'm just pointing out truth. Dave, you say whatever you got to say, man. Just <laughs> don't worry about it. Well, it's funny because like I used to I used to read all of Stephen King's books, but I think it was it wasn't until the end of the last Dark Tower book, um, where some stuff started popping out, and then it was like, um. You know the dome, the one they made the TV show out of. Yeah, under the dome yes. or whatever. Yeah, under the dome. Yes. I I read the book. The show hadn't even wasn't even out yet. I read the book, and my dad was like, "Oh, did you catch that there was a reference to it in in under the dome?" And I was like, "Oh no, I didn't catch that." You know, I usually catch all the like the in references, and I went to go read about it online and that's when I found out like like Stephen King's whole like Under the Dome was a, was his like you know this is all my big allergy, all, all, allegory for Cheney and Bush and I was like and I read his big rant on it yeah I haven't, I haven't got that far yet but I did hear that that was basically the idea in that book yeah and as soon as I and I was like oh and it was like yeah anyways Stephen King. Crazy well, I mean, come bastard. on, it was. It was Dick Cheney and the weather machine that caused Katrina. Come on. Oh, brother. He was flying around <laughs> going, <"Ee-hee-hee-hee-hee." laughs> Exactly. So anyways, this, it's funny, we're watching this again, this scene that we're watching right here in the movie where uh, uh, Rainbird's, you know, setting up his, he's going to trank Charlie from the distance. I remember this scene a lot. I remember... It's like I remember the first time watching it, like it being like really suspenseful to me. This whole thing is a weird little pistol, pistol rifle 
thing. His, in the dark, his dark gun is super accurate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, how is he going to be that good with only one eye? <laughs> nope. He would have depth. no depth of perception. <laughs> then again, it's, he's not super far away either. No. Wheat and raisin checks. I, they don't even make those anymore. I was about to say, I had no idea that that was a variety so. of checks when, uh, when I saw that box. But he's very regular, that's for sure. Oh. Oh, right in the neck. Ugh. Got him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. I actually really like, well, the, not not this scene, but just here in a moment. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty suspenseful even now. Yeah. It's creepy. Well, and the way it ends, well, I think what really stuck with me as a kid was when all the guys in the That's suit, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. That's what I thought was a really cool shot. Yeah. When they all really just kind of, cool. like, step out of the bushes, and there's just, like, 50 of them. Right. Because at first you think, oh, there's going to be a couple of them, and there's, like, there's no. friggin' one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven... There's a lot. Holy crap. We got our asbestos suits and, uh, yeah, and our face masks on. Except Rainbird, because he's too hard for that. Yeah, he's too hard. Yeah. And these guys look spookier to me than the the guys at the end of E.T. Like, oh, I don't know. The space-suited guys going into the house with the loud, like, Darth Vader breathing scared the bejesus out of me as a kid. Right. But after a minute, there's like just like the one of them, and it's yeah. just a straight up NASA spacesuit. These yeah. guys have like no face. They're like yeah, they look like uh, they all look Hydra. like the living bomb yeah. from uh, <laughs> DC Comics. Yeah, they look like the Sada car from Dune movie. Like <laughs> you know, creepy, creepy weird dudes. Yeah, sorry, I got Dune on the brain. That's all right. Yeah, you do. That's all right. I've got Lynch on the brain as well, though, from <laughs> Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, I, I talked Honeywell into, uh, I don't know if I talked him into it per se, but encouraged him to continue. He blew through the the original two seasons in the movie and then caught up in time for the finale to watch uh, The Return. And, <laughs> nice. and he agreed to me with me that it it was a triumph. It was good. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to be going back and, and revisiting that so I can uh, catch up with the new season. And, uh I was just flipping through the TV and Maureen was with me and I saw that it was it was an episode of the the new season. I just was like, mm-hmm. ah, I just want to see what, what it's looking like. And it was uh, David Lynch in the scene. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And then like the next scene was like a bunch of people that were all beat up. And Maureen's like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, you probably wouldn't be interested in this. She's like, yeah, it looks really weird. I'm like, all right, so I guess we won't be watching Twin Peaks together. <laughs> Yeah, I would say it is. Freaks me out. Well, and the new season is like, like to to the like up to eleven. I mean, it's it's eleven. Eleven, yeah. It's it's wild, but that's neither here nor there. So they've got they've got them now in the in the shop. They've captured them and keeping them sequestered from each other in the shop. And drugged. And drugged. drugged. Well, Andy's drugged. That's right. That's right. And the doctor from the never-ending story is going to keep him in happy time. 
Oh my god, I knew he looked familiar. Mm-hmm. Our world is dying. Alright, so just a, just a quick anecdote about about the never-ending story since you brought it up. So I visited Dario <laughs> Gonzalez with uh, mm-hmm. Chris Honeywell uh, in Queens a couple the, of weeks ago. The, the pig roast, right? The pig roast a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Dario brings this brings one of his friends over, this uh, woman over, and I can't remember her name, I'm sorry. And he um, he says, hey, turn around and show show Chris your tattoo. Um, and she turns around. She's got a little tattoo on her back. And uh, she goes, do you know what it is? I said, yeah, it's Bast- It's Atreyu's necklace from NeverEnding Story. And she goes, you're the only person in all the years I've had this that knew what that was. And She's Dar- like, you're the only one who knew it was the Oren? Yeah, nice. and she, and, she, and Dario goes, see, I told you he'd know it. And she goes, all right, well, what's the name that Bastion gives to the princess at the end of the movie? I said, Moonchild. She's like, all right, you're cool. <laughs> okay, I just noticed they have her in fuzzy bunny slippers. That's yes, hilarious. Yes, I know. And it's even funnier the way she's stomping around being angry, and those bunny slippers just look so happy. So hilarious. Okay. There's a lot of things I miss about the 80s, but the one thing I don't miss is the, like, this brass decor. Like, we, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, this, I, I look at this and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is my grandparents' house. Like, exactly. This is, like this that. is a, this is a Virginia, uh-huh. like, townhome. Oh, yeah. Well, just like the, the, the light fixtures on the wall made to look like candles. Yeah. You know? Like, and, those kind of just the lamps and the lampshades and like and that fabric on the couch like oh my gosh it's yeah it's it, wallpaper in general oh, just looks horrible wallpaper oh my gosh wallpaper makes me feel claustrophobic I'm just gonna uh, yeah there's something there. a bit unnatural like, about it isn't there yeah I hate it I hate it in general I hate putting it up I hate taking it down it's been a long I love time since I do it Sorry, Drew Barrymore's look on her face in this scene is priceless. She's just like having none of him. She's just like, you suck, Martin. I like Emilio. <laughs> uh, what about the other brother? We don't talk about Charlie here. Why not? Martin. <laughs> so funny. She's uh, so young. It, it makes me laugh because um, – I kind of forgotten we had this coming up, but the other night, um, Joy had a friend in town and she, she doesn't have Netflix and she wanted to watch the, uh, Drew Barrymore's Netflix show, the, uh, the zombie show. Oh, and, uh, yeah. What was it called? What? There's a zombie uh, show with Drew Barrymore? Santa, the Santa Clara Diet. Yeah. It's like yes, a com- yes. it's like a zombie And it's with, show. um, Oliphant, right? Timothy Oliphant? Yeah, it was Ooh. awesome. I watched, I hadn't watched it either because my wife had binge watched it without me and I watched kind of three episodes kind of while I was doing something else and it was really good. Drew Barrymore was freaking hilarious in it. Okay. And, uh, there was a hilarious point where her and Timothy Oliphant were like stuck with a dead body and somebody <laughs> up in a car and Timothy Oliphant goes, he goes, just we'll say we found it. We're trying to be helpful. Oh, we're Mormons. Wait, <laughs> he's like, Mormons are helpful. We're gonna be Mormons. <laughs> uh, and they're standing there smiling. It was just funny. It was just. What is the policy on that, Dave? <laughs> if you find a dead body, 
Well, you're supposed to be helpful. That's what we do. We're okay. more helpful. We're more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Drew Barrymore was really she's really good at it. So. All right, all right. She's funny. I like her a lot. Oh, that's a Does she set anyone on fire with her mind? I'm waiting for that part. She oh. eats somebody. So best close. Best part of this scene here oh. when they're giving her all the toys, the Coleco vision in the background. I saw that. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I like the scooby Yes. The Coleco vision oh. was pretty cool. Oh yeah, this would this would have been in the height of the whole cabbage patch craze. Oh yeah. Mania. Yeah. Yeah. Screen shutters. Uh, yeah. For some reason, this also reminds me kind of like the setting for the Swamp Thing movie, the Wes Craven Swamp oh, Thing movie. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit. See, there you go. See, he's now an idiot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. They give the red man the laborers' jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're exactly halfway through the movie, basically, and so the whole second half is this. Shop scenario. It's a lot of Adidas products in this movie, I just realized. Every pair of yeah. sneakers that we've seen has been Adidas. Yep, and there's your Oric XL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I know, you just got, you can't help it. Oh, look, there's another Cabbage Patch doll back there. Holy crap, she's got two of them. Yeah. What game is she playing? Do y'all know? Uh, I do not know. No. And oh. neither. I never even laid eyes on a ColecoVision back in the that 80s. That was, like, uh, ColecoVision actually was, was really high-powered for the time, but it, it hit at the wrong time. It was when the There's a third crashed. Cabbage Patch doll. Look, they want her Holy to use those firepowers. Man. They're, just, they're giving her everything but the one um, thing she wants. Yeah. Boats and hose up in there. Talk about <laughs> Prestige, prestige <That> worldwide. <laughs> it's funny, though. I mean, uh, the, this whole part when she's in the shop, though, is similar to, you know, how they're trying to convince and manipulate, Eleven, you know, yeah. Eleven to, to do her stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just like, like the only way they can really do it is to emotionally prey on her, you know? Well, yeah. And it's funny because, like, I'll spoil ahead to the end. I kind of I, I love this movie. I do. But I kind of feel like it's one of those ones that, like, it could be, like, updated and remade. Yeah. But I was yeah. like, yeah, but they kind of did that with Stranger Things. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. In a lot of ways, if you did a remake of Firestarter now, that that would everybody would compare it to Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, Stranger but, uh, Things has the the added benefit of also going into the, you know, the alternate dimensions and everything. This is a a, pre, a pretty right. straightforward by the numbers uh, science fiction thriller. Right. But yeah, I could see this. Being a pretty cool remake, though. There's definitely a way that you could do it and, and update it and have it be interesting. I think it would be, you know, they don't do them much anymore, but, you know, maybe because it's 80s, it makes me think of it. But, you know, like the classic miniseries you used to get in the 80s. Yeah, you know, know like one two- Sunday night and then the next Sunday night. Right, because the, you know, and a story that's split down the middle would be, you know, you could have like the whole first half being them on the run and the whole second half being them stuck in the shop and 
could be pretty cool, you know, as long as Richard Chamberlain's in there somewhere, I think he'd be all right. Shogun. <laughs> uh, um, I'm just spitballing here, guys. I, I, That's all right. You're doing good, Dave. You're it's been good. a long week. <laughs> all right. It's almost over. This guy's funny. Look, this guy's funny looking too. This. Oh no, he looks super familiar to me as well. Yeah, I, he? all these all these government goons look like guys who eventually went on to being a lot more stuff. But he does look familiar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he cannot he cannot get his mental whammy to work right now. Right. And rewatching this, I said to myself, "Is he? Can he not do it, or is he faking that he can't do it? I can't remember." I think he – well, I know in the book for sure there's a period of time where he can't do it. Yeah, he's totally like, doped up. Yeah, and then exactly. he um, he pushes himself. Yeah. He, like, ends up using his power on himself to, like, basically, like, make him quit using the drugs, which is kind of a – it's an interesting idea. I've actually never come across that in any kind of stories with people with, like, psychic powers. I've never actually – Sphere. Read a story where somebody, oh, okay. Yeah, they all they all have the power at the end, and they all agreed to voluntarily wipe, wipe, wipe their themselves minds of the power. Yeah, I like that book a lot. I, I hated won't. the movie, even though it had Huey. I was about to say I liked the book much better than the movie. The movie was sad, 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 sad. and I liked Dustin Hoffman quite a bit. But you know, as long as he's wearing a dress. <laughs> <laughs> Does Joy ever dress up like movie. Dustin Hoffman for you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that movie. It's it's actually one of my favorite movies. Tootsie? Tootsie. I love it. I just love that movie. Bill Murray, it's like my... It's like... I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I love Bill Murray in that movie. So... But yeah. I don't know why it's... I guess I'm a little more lowbrow. I love I love Bill Murray and Caddyshack. <laughs> you know, I've only ever seen Caddyshack one, it's, one time. It's so worth a rewatch. And, uh, it was like I need to watch it again. It's, it's one of those it, I watch it like two in the morning type movies. It is so blue collar and lowbrow and ridiculous. Yeah. Then again, anything with Rodney Dangerfield is usually worth a watch. Right. He's got a really funny one from later on in his career, close to before he died, called My Five Wives, which is <laughs> it was direct to video. It's really funny. Nice. Let's see that. Got little stuffed animals back there. Yeah, we got an ostrich, we got a lion. So this is pretty good, his whole like little setup, like I'll pretend to be afraid of the dark and yeah. You know, get her to try to comfort me and all this stuff. Yeah, he's not stupid. It's 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 a. I think it's a pretty good performance. Yeah, I mean he. It's not the it's not the greatest performance either. None of the performances in this are like, they're not Oscar worthy. I'll be honest. Um, right. But right. when when he is menacing in this, I find it to be truly menacing. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. And she's wearing, like, gymnastics gear for just no reason. Yeah. 
And that's got three stripes on it, too. That's an Adidas product. Again, what the hell, man? Hey, product placement, you know? You got to pay for those sweet eye patches. <laughs> they had to pay for that. Yeah, this is... Weave that they gave George C. Scott there. Exactly. Yeah, it's supposed Wait, to be... Wait, you mean like, is real here? I don't think so. I know. Because <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, in the book, this is this this is like about six months or so that they're they're in here for quite a while. Yeah, you don't get an exact impression of how long they're in here, but I do think you get a sense that it's it's a while. Yeah. Kong, man. The Kong. More black pajamas. DC. Their eyes. Black eyes. Like a doll's eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah this, this, this is the Quint moment, isn't it? It really is, even though, it, I mean, it could all be BS, but... Right. It probably is. But. You know, I wondered about that because the storm is just incidental, right? I mean, it's not like he, unless, or maybe he was planning to use a coming thunderstorm and maybe they intentionally turned the power out, or I, think I couldn't just, tell if he's, like, actually freaking out and just using it, you know. I think he's just using the first thing that would connect with a child. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, I I think I think the power outage was not planned and he jumps on it and I think his storytelling is I think it's real. I think you get the idea that or at least at the time if I remember right, and this could be told BS if anybody wants to call me on it, that's fine, but I think that was the idea, like the idea that like, you know, part of where why he's so whacked out is because he went to Nam, you know. He's like you know, it changed him. Yes, you know. Um, so. Changed a lot of people. Right. Any lines gets me getting some to eat here? Yeah, me. Sorry, I dipped into to Rambo mode there for a second. I thought that was like hey, my, my mind went right there too. <laughs> you said that uh, he he pushes himself in the book to not take the pills. Where there just was a little brief scene there of him talking himself in the mirror there and it, he didn't do the push because he didn't grab yeah. his hair like uh, William Shatner or something there to <laughs> yeah. convince himself not to do it but he was kind of talking to himself saying you know don't take any more of the pills right right now I'm just going to see Shatner every time I look at Andy <laughs> I'm the pusher. I don't know what you'd call him. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. All right. Are we going to watch some Star Trek after this? Oh, or no. It'll be even better. Shatner as John Rainbird. Oh, my God. Oh, man. He could do it. Yeah. He could do it. He could have done it. Yeah. That would have been glorious. It's like Shatner oh, in a ponytail man. with an eye patch. A, oh, lot, of, a lot of pancake makeup. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That would be great. Yes, it would. Heck. Oh, yeah. He'd give a more perf- a convincing performance than the guy who played Chicote. 
Like, <laughs> sorry, I didn't buy you as a Native American nor as a Starfleet officer because yeah. you were boring. Or or a rebel either. Oh, yeah, he was a Maquis, wasn't He's he? He's a Maquis, yeah. Oh, uh, my gosh, I can't believe I knew that. Oh, that show <laughs> wow. was so bad. I can remember when it came out, I thought it was awesome because I was really oh, yeah. into the, like, the last half of TNG and then Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine and... Voyager, but yeah. Well, you think about that at the time. I mean, it was like the fact that all those shows like went together and crossed over and like were in the same universe. Like that was yeah, it was great. That was a, except big, that was the, a big deal back then. The storytelling like, during those first like three seasons of Voyager was so. Mm-hmm. Well, the first three seasons of all of them, really. Like I can find all, I can find enough good to in in. Next gen and in deep space oh, nine. Oh, Voyager, Voyager took its long, took the longest to get there, like for sure. And it, like, it was they, a great, I- a great idea. We're gonna send you to a place where we haven't been yet, and you've told the same stories that the other shows have already told. Right, right. Well, yeah, you know, the, basically, you know, the problem is, is they didn't. You know, I'm sure some other Trek fans would probably disagree, but they sh- they should have went more Deep Space Nine with it. They should have really dove into the idea of, you know, the idea of how important are our ideals and are we going to compromise or not. Really push that all the time, but I kind of feel like uh, BSG when it came back did the whole like lost in the stars traveling like for years and years and years trying to get to safety low on supplies no friends no support you know they did that story way better than Voyager did but yeah well and BSG had the like there wasn't anybody else you know what I mean right Star Trek immediately Voyager went immediately back into the you know we're gonna run into a new alien species every five minutes thing right right you know which is fine when you're that far away from charted space. You should be running into a new alien species every time. Right. But that far it, doesn't, away, it, it, it doesn't make your situation very dire, though. You know what I mean? Because it's like... Well, I know. mean, they made a huge point of with that show of the computers being partially organic and them not having potentially a sufficient right. amount of food. And mm-hmm. that just gets dropped, like, immediately. Yeah. So this stuff so, is great. Like, yeah, I like this part. The whole like testing Charlie thing. Yeah. Well, and this and then turn on the course, fan. This really, <laughs> this really reminds me of, uh, you know, Eleven's voyages yeah. into the into the upside down. Right. Well, I think that's one of the brilliance in the story of Stranger Things to tie this back to our regular show, like that they, you know, it could have just been. Eleven having psychic powers and about a psychic girl on the run, but the whole idea that you know in her testing she somehow like finds like a whole like another dimension and yeah. reaches that dimension and then it brings all of that other stuff into it, all of the uh, you know Cthulhu style, ooh, you know, scary uh, Lovecraftian side. Yeah, you know, it's it's a great. Just a great pull to kind of bring all that stuff in, you know. No, I totally agree. I, uh, I still, I, I, I need to rewatch the show probably before season two starts. But you know, oh. the whole thing where she's in the, she's listening to the the Soviet guy 
mm-hmm. or whomever she's supposed to be spying on. And it looks like she's just like in that black space, the same space she eventually meets the Demogorgon in. That's not right. the upside down. No, that's like her mm-hmm. mindscape or yeah. something. Or like, right. I don't know what that right. is supposed to be. Yeah. But like how it's all related and if she really... I don't know how it's related to the upside down or how she gets the upside down or the, is it well, the same the, space or the breach doesn't happen until she reaches out with her mind in that mindscape and touches the demogorgon. Yeah, right. you're right. And they forge a link and then it breaches and then yeah. Yeah, but what if the demogorgon since it's in her mind is just like her dark side, you know? And that's right. that's but they could be going there or but you know I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not. I'm not saying that's for sure, but yeah. I mean, because the demogorgon might be female. It does have, but you know, there are eggs lying around at the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? We'll see. I think they're definitely. We're gonna get lots of upside down stuff in season two. I mean, that's that trailer really. Mm. Had a lot of upside yeah. down. Mar- Maureen refused to watch it. She's like, I don't want to know anything. I was like, okay. That's awesome. It was awesome. That is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Well, that's why I, I love how they did music over most of it because it kind Ooh, of. Um, yeah. It kind of helped. Thriller, man. Yep. Yeah, well, it was a great pull, but it was also like just. You don't like. Um, it's kind of easier to kind of muffle the spoilers, you know what I mean, by yeah. saying that. Like, you kind of like, you know, you're not really watching the scenes, clips of scenes. You're watching a music video version of the scenes that way. Yeah. So it kind of, uh, I don't know. I like that better than sometimes regular trailers. Because I, I, I totally know what Marine's coming from. Because, like, like, if I had any willpower, I wouldn't watch a single Star Wars trailer. But I, I, I Don't worry. Don't. There hasn't been one for The Last Jedi. I know. Well, I mean, besides the very initial, uh, the initial the one. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know I, what? By about the time, I'm sure next month is when that'll start ramping up. Right. Right. I know yeah. The Force Awakens was a unique situation because it had such a long kind of run up to it. But I mean, there was several teasers and trailers and stuff over like the course of about a year and a half before that movie came out. We've got next to nothing for The Last Jedi so far. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. It's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> We're nerds. What are we? Come on. Yeah. We talk. Oh, yeah. I know. And, uh, yeah. Well, right. So to get back to the movie, uh, Andy playing off as the uh, still doped up right. prisoner is great here. Just yeah. Just going to roll along merrily until... Uh, he's got Captain Hollister uh, convinced that he's not a threat anymore. Right. He's all ready to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I want to go to Hawaii and get stoned. Well, and this, this like, is what made me think, like, some thought that something was up right away, because we don't know yet that he's, like, not swallowed the pill. Yeah. Mm. Uh, when he so readily agrees to leave, I'm like, dang. Right. You know? This is going to take off, but it's all part of the plan. Yeah. 
Man, my parents had that exact same side table and a very similar lamp, like those cabriolet legs on the table and <laughs> the brass lamp with that pleated, pleated uh, lampshade. Uh, same thing, man. Oh, these all look like vintage antiques, whereas ours, I'm sure, were not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, got some bit on those pills. Yuck. Yeah. To me. All right, horse time. Hey, it's your friend John. Let's go ride horses. Yay! See, when people say it's slow, I mean, I, I think this whole section of the movie probably could have been condensed a little bit or, or I don't know. I did feel like this whole part kind of was like, okay, what, you know, maybe riding horses it. now. Well, I yeah. mean, it has to be. Like, well, you, I mean. She's gaining her trust, right? I mean, yeah. you got to show that some way, somehow. It, well, and you well, have to because it's then the the crucial downfall is she does he does gain her trust and then it's it's her fault what happens at the end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's well they they I mean well, they could have they could have montaged it a little bit maybe you know what I mean like it was the eighties. Even yeah. Rocky had a montage. Exactly. They could have they could have just showed them riding around and then. But right here, I think it's actually pretty crucial how she's talking about how um, that she's like dealing with the power and how she feels it and taps into it. And you know what I mean? It scares yeah, even she, her. And she can't bring it into herself when it's kind of raging, or she'd burn up too. Or she thinks she will. You know well, I mean? yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that's important. So it's, yeah. she's not immune to fire. Well, and I, I, yeah, and they, again, I don't know, I'd be willing to bet, like, that's kind of part of what, partly what happens at the end, is that she does pull the power back into herself and just makes her stronger, but. um, We're we're close, we'll get there shortly. Right, I'm just, I'm just thinking in terms of, like, other books I've read by King and the way, you know, that stuff typically works. Because usually in most Stephen King novels, there's a big element of that near the climax of the book. It's as much a mental fight as it is a physical fight for his characters. Yeah, which is, yeah. I'm curious as to see how they'll do that with um, it part sec- two. Part two of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know. I've I I read somewhere that I think that. They're not doing the spider. I know that's not happening. Thank God. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Well, again, that's the the end of the end of it is really it's really trippy, and there's lots of weird things, and there's a space turtle, and you know, and uh, you know what? It'd, it'd be very Lynchian to try to do it in a movie. That's for sure. I, with what Machete did with. The first half, I uh, I have full confidence that he will be able to adapt the adult portion and make it uh, interesting in a way that the TV miniseries adult half was not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to seeing both halves of that one. It was my gateway into King, and I really liked it. So, All right, so uh, we've got... Charlie back in the training room again here, the danger yeah, the, room, as it the were. The danger room. That's exactly oh, what I was going to say. Oh, she's totally, yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, she's melting cinder blocks. Now, is that happening behind her? I mean, no, she's standing in front of it. No, it's, uh, it's a reflection. It's a reflection off the two way window. Okay. Okay. I think, I think the fire isn't, you know, she's facing it and see the windows behind her. Temperature probe burns up. No, it's really cool how they're making everything kind of warp around the room and she just. Yeah. 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 Boom. They explode. And John Rainbird looks at this like this child needs to die. I do think it's interesting too. I, I I think it's neat that she's not she's just getting stronger and it seems to have no ill effect on her. Yeah. You know. Well she's starting to realize that too, I think. That was a cool practical effect of the ice exploding. I like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. You, you throw some blasting caps onto some real ice and just blow it up. Yeah. Have a good time. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. What do you do now? You you can't you can't keep denying her what she wants much longer. Otherwise, right. And George C. Scott realizes that. Well, and he wants to kill her to, to take her power, which is an interesting concept. You know, the idea well, that into the next life, which is you know. Right, 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 right. But he, I think he also realizes that he, he's the one thinking practically on the opposite end. Hollister is being, you know, the tool of the, the government and the military thinking practically what can we do with this child? You know? Right. And he's thinking this is not something that belongs in this world. So. Oh, and Andy got his groove back. Yes, he did. Yep. I do like the uh, the discussion that comes up here between uh, George C. Scott yeah. and Martin Sheen. It's um, it's so matter of fact and blunt. Uh, the way that. The two of them kind of come to terms with what each other wants and the way George C. Scott describes what he's going to do. It's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I wasn't sure at the beginning, you know, what his end game was until he kind of really describes it here. You know, like, I, th- I really did assume he was gaining her trust not to, and maybe he wasn't at the beginning. Maybe he was just trying to gain her trust to use her, but after that display, you know, realizes, no, she's got to die. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's in, he's on an uneasy terms with Hollister. It's like, yeah, I'll get her to, to do what you want, but you got to let me kill her because... <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, that's what he liked killing. He like he he believed every time he killed somebody, 
it would make him stronger. Okay, see now that's that's so, a, a plot point that is definitely something that you know is definitely from the Native American experience. Right. That is something that they probably should have worked in a little bit better into the adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. We're all listening to the creepy monologue. Let's just plant the camera on a guy's face and let him act. Right. Well, and it's a pretty good way to do it. I mean, it's better to, you know, to to do a monologue than voiceover. Typically, typically it works better because you get. All the expression. <laughs> See, and I think this is, you know, like y'all were saying, there's some parts where he's just either just acting aloof or just honestly is just kind of not like too, too into it, but the scene was pretty good. Yeah. Martin Sheen's like, okay, great. You're crazy. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You are crazy. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that totally looks like where Alec Holland takes a dive into the swamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And isn't that Heather Locklear in the second one? Yes, Ooh. it was. Connections, man. Yeah, yes, man. Yes, it was. Oh, Heather Locklear. He's just gonna use. He's using this setup to his own plan, but Martin Sheen's a little too slow to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what they say: military intelligence, oxymoron. Right. trying to think at the end of uh, Apocalypse Now does his character die or does he get away? Lime Machine gets away. That's what I thought. Yep. Yeah. He gets away as they bomb the, the temple or whatever. Yeah. He gets away because it's the last it, he's basically strung out and they give him a mission and it's he after that yeah. he, like he says I'd never want another one after it. Maybe he takes over the shop after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man now I'm picturing Mylon Brando as Rainbird give <laughs> <laughs> the job for me yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny as you can tell as he's being uh, even some of the other guys too as they're being pushed by him but they, you know, it's not like they're just become like zombies. I mean, like you can tell, like they're kind of struggling against it, but they have to comply. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, at least William Martin Sheen's playing in a little bit there that a moment ago, like, he was trying to resist, I guess, but not able to. Well, it's... I don't know. Maybe it's because... I mean, he's a captain, so he's, you know, he's an officer. It's, I think it would be different than if it was a a grunt or something. Like, you know, the regular field agent guys, they seem to almost be able to put up a little bit more of a fight. Sure. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the makeup of your personality. I don't know. Look at her read this note. Look at her. Did you see her, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. She's, like, really animated in reading her, like, two-line note here. Well, it's longer than two lines, but you know what I mean. I will slip a paper. And here we go. This is the the tragedy of the movie right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Oh, George C. Scott, you're so evil. All right. <laughs> Such a creepy smile. <laughs> He's getting ready to chop her right there, too. Did you notice that? When he lifts her, his arm up? Oh, yeah. He's getting ready to deal the death blow. Yeah. Oh, you're right. He ruined it. Yep. That was, that was going to be it. It's like, this kid can't leave. This kid has to die. <laughs> Oh, you're totally right. This guy looks wicked familiar, too. Hi, I'm generic Scott Baio. Can get back <laughs> in the elevator a, now. I'll be a burnt hot dog in about five minutes. Yeah, surely. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Oh, all right. The, the, from here until the end of the movie is just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get sucked in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Here's a thought, John. Yeah. Um, don't try to kill a pyrokinetic inside of a building made of wood. Mm. Just saying. And hay. And hay. Filled with hay. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, uh, so, you know, as I've read in the last couple of years, like, first six or seven King books, he's uh, he has described in the same way barns full of hay is like explosively hot or something like that. Like he's used like the same almost like description of them. And I've noticed it in like several short stories and in, and in the stand when they paint the barn at the beginning of the stand with like directions to where they're going. And, and then I think maybe in one more I was reading recently. So anyhow, I just thought it was just a funny quirk of his writing where he uses some similar descriptions. And of course, then they end up in a barn in this one and it actually gets explosively hot. So, yeah, this whole like yeah, this whole plan here at the end. I guess he. I feel like it's kind of weird. He's like, it just has his pistol and he's gonna perch well, up. Yeah, on I mean, top. he knows what time. He doesn't Charlie, get him right away either. Yeah, he knows what time Charlie's gonna be there. He could have set any number of traps long before that. And his yeah. his thought is, I'm gonna bring my six shooter and just wait. Right. Yeah. But. You know what, though? He wants to make sure... I'm sure he wants to make sure that nobody else from the shop is going to get involved because they're going to want to keep them alive, and he wants her dead. Yeah. Nice. 
she's getting much, much finer control of her powers. Yeah. And, and she still doesn't want to kill anybody. She, you know, she lets that guy go. Yeah. Yeah, she shows a much greater compunction towards killing than Eleven did. A uh, little bit different circumstances. True, true. Yeah. Eleven never saw a life outside of a, you know, four-by-four four cell. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. These guys did kill her mom, though, stuck her in a closet. Yeah. Eleven presumably never even saw her mother. Right. I saw her. <laughs> I saw a pretty funny meme online today. It was, um, you know, those ones now, they'll show you a picture, and then they'll do a close-up thing on it, and then it'll say triggered. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it was a picture of a Papa John's box, and then they closed in on just the part that says Papa, and then they showed Eleven's face, and it says triggered. Nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. That is good. <laughs> oh, boy. Slow mo. It's near the end of the movie. Oh, you know yeah. it's going to be bad. That's never good. Yeah. Oh, he shaved. He and shaved for the finale. But he's back in the same shitty clothes yeah. he had from the yeah. beginning of the movie. <laughs> I found my favorite jacket. <laughs> These are my running away clothes. Exactly. Maybe maybe Andy watched The Incredible Hulk a lot. Mm. Ah, yeah. All right. Everything's coming to a head. He's really nice, I promise. No, he's not. <laughs> he tells me stories about the Kong. <laughs> and eating spiders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and eating spiders. And in people's faces. I'm sorry, I'm just waiting for the pyrotechnics to happen. I know. It's so awesome. You know. With bated breath. Well, and it's like her, you know, getting upset from this betrayal that probably helps unleash some of the fear here in a moment beyond some other things that happen, of course. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Oh, he's got her. Yeah, maybe that's why he wanted to meet her in here. That is part of his plan. She she won't hurt the horses. Ah, good point. Ah, yeah. Necromancer. I love how he's like, oh, that just kind of means wizard. I guess I guess that's true, but... Maybe somebody was a big Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. Oh, King was. Derp. Jeez. Oh, I'm sure that's true, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I was expecting when this uh, faucet breaks off here that it's going to be like just steam blasting out of there because she's... Oh, yeah. You know. Mm. Burning it up. Yeah. Gets out, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
We're so sunken right now. I know. It's the climax of the movie, and it's like, you know. Yeah. This all happens very... This part happens very quickly here. Yeah, that's great, though. (laughs) Yeah. Tell your enemy to kill your other enemy, and Sheen gets her right between the eyes. Yep. And then jump. I love it. And he's really exerting himself. He's got that full-on double nosebleed. Yep. <laughs> oh. And then in the neck. It's like, eesh. Uh, yeah. Big old revolver. And at this point, it's like, the first time you watch this, you're like, oh, Jesus, is he going to kill her? Like, what the hell? Yeah. You know? You, yeah. Yeah. You could well, see, it wouldn't actually would have surprised me. I wondered, honestly, I thought it would, that's why I thought we were going the carry route here. Like, mm. you know, he might hurt her and then, you know, or kill her. Or, and like in her death, like she burns everything up or something like that. Yeah. Now we get the, the Phoenix. Yeah, we get the. I'm just going to melt the bullet in midair and <laughs> your toast. Nice. Yep. And all bets are off at this oh, point. Yeah. And it's like, right. it's like 50 people. I love it. Oh, um, yeah. Hey, you know the super powerful child we have in the barn? Let's all go out there. No joke. <laughs> I was like, didn't these guys all, like, all their buddies get blasted in a very similar situation, like, earlier in the same movie? Oh, yeah. My favorite is when, this is when the guy from The NeverEnding Story takes the time to, like, get in the golf golf cart, turn it on, drive it away slowly. Right. (laughs) Just just need some clown car music. (laughs) Exactly. She's like, you gave me three cabbage patches. I'll let you live <laughs> for now. Good thing you gave me three, because if you'd given me two, I would have burnt your ass. Everybody's about to get burnt, and it's amazing. Well, yeah, because it's like her dad gives her permission. He like, well, that's her. what I thought was interesting about it. Is like he he's going, and it's just like, well. Maybe just be better for you to just burn them all up. Yeah. 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 And I think she's kind of realizing that as long as these people are here, they're going to just keep coming for her. I mean, she's not, she's not stupid. She's a little naive, but after seeing what uh, these adults are willing to do and say to her, she really doesn't have any options left. She has, she can do nothing at this point and let them drag her back in there. And right. they'll just start sedating her too at some point, right. or you make a choice. Well, and that's the thing too. I think you know Drew is a little young in this compared to the book age. In the book age, she was old enough to know like this is it. Like it's you know 
I have to kill these guys. There's no other choice. I I kind of like how it plays in the film where it's where she is a you know it's it's a child right as a child yeah. what does that what does that do to you and what mm-hmm. does that force you to do with your own morality and right. your sense of self actualization yeah. yeah and she does save yeah. the horses what kind of yep. person would it make you when you're an adult. Because I can, you can see a, a, a moody teenager being like, "I'm just going to burn everybody because." Right, right. Well, it's interesting because both this and, and Carrie, like the the both of those characters, are um, very innocent. Like neither of them are is just are like the angry girl with powers, you know, and they both get pushed and snap and yeah. They, they uh, neither, neither of them act out maliciously. He's looking, he's back looking I have to be out of range. Oh, fireball! <laughs> oh, she gets him with a fireball. I know, I love it. And it's just like, oh, okay, she can manifest fireballs. Oh, yeah. You guys, you know how many times, how many cars I would have blown up in traffic if I could manifest fireballs like that? I wouldn't even blow up cars. I'd just go out to the woods and be like, I'm just going to shoot fireballs like from my crotch up into the air. It'll be amazing. Oh, yeah, that too. But I mean, just (laughs) the commute every day, you know, just (laughs) some of those people on their cell phones and they're driving just fireball, fireball. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I love that the final confrontation is at night here because the fire just looks awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they spent yeah. the money on the fire, and it's great. Yeah, definitely had to be a nighttime fight. Three I wonder how they get it to really, like... I, like Fireball. To, like, the I'm, part that she had, like, chase them against the, you know, across the yard or whatever. I would have, how they got it to, like, billow like that. Like, the flames are, like, like raging. I don't I would, know if it's just like over cranked or something or, or what's uh, going on. I'm sure it's it's probably on monofilament and it it's probably not taking much because it's probably something light like pith or something and you can just douse that with uh accelerant in gasoline and just and just light yeah. it. You know. Oh no, I just mean like how like then it's like after after she's caught up with the guys, then it shows like the trail of fire and the flames are just Oh, yeah. It's like raging, you know what I mean? Like they're like they're like it's this cool effect. I don't know how they did it, but yeah. <laughs> that dude flying into the trees. Unbelievable. Oh, I know. That's why I was saying this is like the end of Commando. I mean, it like is. when I'm watching this, oh, yeah. I was like this is like the, the end of Commando big time. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, the guy out of the back of the pickup was wild. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this, yeah. We haven't got this guy there. coming up here is my favorite. Yeah. It's the goofy looking dude. He gets it the best out of all of them. She's like, I don't like the way you look, man. You look shifty. Burn. Oh, no. No, no, please, no. He just tried to shoot me, dude. You tried to shoot a child. I know, right? You die now. Yeah, this is amazing in effect. Fireballs. <laughs> and then into the tree. Into the tree. So good. <laughs> that is awesome. That's one of the best shots. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
And now we've reached five stars in uh, Grand Theft Auto level. The helicopters have come. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. Yeah. Yeah, did you see what I just did to the guy in the tree? Hey, we're going to come down now, all right? So don't fireball us, okay? We, um, yeah... Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I mean, yeah, that's just a helicopter exploding. The when the fireball comes down and launches the guy into a tree, that's just awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. That explosion. Anytime you see a building actually shudder before it explodes, yeah, you know it's a good explosion. Yeah, those soccer balls are awesome. They're great. I, they they are really good. There's a lot of people that work in there. Yeah, it's the shop, man. It's a, it's a cushy government job. Cow. Yeah. I just, some guy got paid. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, she just fireballs, fireballs, fireballs. Yeah, she, she doesn't mess around here. No, mm. why would you? You, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta take it out. Burn it to the ground. Wow. <laughs> it's something else. They, they spent the money where they needed to. Yeah. Yeah, they burnt that house to the ground. Burn it down the house. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Connie again. Did you fireball the golf cart, dear? And that was the that was one thing I was like, well, she she somehow made it back to these people, which is great. Yeah. But like you said in the book, she was a little older because she still seems pretty young to me to get across country or however far I may be yeah. on her own. Unless yeah, her sure. powers are increasing over time and she's able to, you know, influence Push people, people too, too or something. Yeah, who knows? But I mean, it makes sense. She, her mother and father are dead. She's got nobody. Who the what was the last kindly face that she saw? She's you know? got nowhere else to go. Yeah. yeah. Just like Richard Gere. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> ah, the New York Times. Last bastion of... Well, never mind. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of a, a quiet ending after all that explosiveness, but... Yeah, you know, it's, I thought it. I mean, it was a happy ending. I was honestly expecting like kind of worst case yeah. scenario, her, her getting killed or morally wounded while you know blasting them all there at yeah, the end. Yeah, and it, and it certainly could have, but mm -hmm. it's it it is a you know for King, it's more it is really just a straight up kind of pulpy sci-fi yeah uh, story, mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm surprised. You know, it's it's no. one of those. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that, you know, it almost could be like one of the Bachman books, you know, where it's a little bit mm. different than than everything else that's kind of falls under his umbrella. 
Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I imagine if if he had written this one before Carrie, it might have had a sadder ending. But I think if he had, you know, if if Charlie had died, it would have been a little too much like Carrie. It would be the yeah. same I mean, thing. So then, what's yeah. the point? Right. 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 You know. It's it's a different circumstance. I mean, the parents in this yeah. were loving. They weren't abusive. You know, right. it was the the external was the abusive element. You know. Yeah. So a while back, I picked up at Half Price Books a um, Stephen King film, a book that basically like covered the history of his work being put on film and TV. Nice. And uh, the chapter regarding this period in the '80s was interesting because his movie, the movies based on his work and uh, including Salem's Lot when it was a TV miniseries, were all like really well received. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I forget, and I have to go look now, what was right before this in terms of theatrical releases, but it did not do well. And then mm-hmm. this, this I guess, didn't do too great either in terms of, like, critical response. And it actually began, like, a period of kind of backlash against uh, what was basically like a glut of his adaptions, you know, adaptions of his work in the theater. Yeah. Um but I thought it was good. I mean, I haven't read the book, so but like I had read similarly that it cued very closely to the book, and I I thought it was really good. And man, if I had seen this before I'd seen Stranger Things, I mean, geez, uh, I mean it's obviously if not the strongest influence, I'd say this and Poltergeist are probably right up there, you know, with being the two like major influences, yeah, on the show. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. See, up there. yeah, you got you start off really strong. You have Carrie and the Shining, Shining were the first ones. You had something called Night Riders. I don't even know what that is, and the Boogeyman. Um, but you go to Creep Show. Um, then the Woman in the Room again. I don't know what that is. The Woman in the Room. Um, that was that one. That was Frank Darabont's Dollar Baby. Oh, okay. Um, then you have Cujo, uh, then the Dead Zone, then Christine, then Children of the Corn. That's probably oh, the one. Children of the Corn. Children that of the Corn is yeah. not. I watched that a few years ago. It does not hold up. That was right. the one they said was started kind of the. It was right before Firestar. Yeah, and then Firestar right. was followed by Cat's Eye. Which was kind of, you know, I mean, they were... Is she also in Cat's Eye? Yeah, she is. is uh, yeah. Barrymore is also in Cat's Eye, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you get Silver Bullet. And I love Max Silver Bullet. Bullet. I do, too. And then you get Maximum Overdrive. Well, that's the one King directed so, himself, and he was very, right. very high on cocaine. Yep. And so high, in fact, Emilio Estevez had to direct most of the movie. <laughs> wow. Believe it. Wow. But yeah, so I mean that kind of carries through that period. I mean then you get Stand by Me, which was kind of a return to things coming back, and a return to Salem's Lot, Creepshow Two, and then The Running Man in 1987. Yes. Nice. <laughs> we all know about The Running Man and the construction fishing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean it's you know. It's all over the map, but you it know. is all over the map, and, and and some of his stuff lends well to adaptation more than others. Um, and wow. it, 
It it depends, and and I love the I love the adaptations of Shawshank and Green Mile, and those are mm-hmm. Frank Darabont. I hated The Mist, and that was Darabont. Yeah. So it's like, right. you know, it, it it all depends on you know who's doing the script and who's doing the directing. It's you, you never know yeah. what you're gonna get. And there's you could you can ad- adapt his stuff in a million different ways, um, right? So well, I feel um, like the the cast makes such a big, you know, a lot of his oh, all yeah. the early adaptions yeah. of his movies. I mean, had like major major movie stars in the cast. I mean, like yeah, really well cast. And then a lot of the more second tier stuff, I think, is second tier almost in part because. There must not have been, you know, been as much money behind the production of it, and the, the casting isn't as good. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that's the difference between stuff like Misery and and then stuff like Sometimes They Come Back, you know? Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, and that, I mean, being a book reader my whole life, that's, I mean, that's just like, you know, whenever they adapt novels, that I mean, it literally, it's like, you know, th- there's almost no middle ground. Either they adopt, adapt it right and they do a good job uh, and it's amazing and it's memorable or it's just garbage. You know what I mean? Like there's almost no, <laughs> no, no middle you know, ground. Yeah. Really? I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, and, and so, um, and when you're dealing with somebody that's, you know, pretty pulpy and, you know, and, and, a whole, somebody listed as a horror novelist, you know what I mean? You're, you're going to get the cheap, you know, the cheap, quick, you know, let's make a buck adaptations for, you know, and some of his like stuff, five can, of those for every good one. Yeah, you know and I mean? some of the some of his short stories and stuff you can do that with. Um, yeah, but then there's other pieces of his work where it does demand a higher quality script and a higher quality level of directing and acting. Because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's there's a version of there is a version of misery that you could do with crappier actors, sure, and it would be a TV movie without the impact that the film has. Yeah, like I'm really excited to see the version of Gerald's Game that's coming out on Netflix this month. Yeah, that looks, that looks really, really good, really intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll probably even like it more than I did the book. You know what I mean? And. uh Cause it just, um, cause I, it, it's like, yeah. like, uh, the adaptation of needful things. Like I really like that adaptation too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, you know, it's not the book, it's an adaptation, but I, I think it works. Yeah. So I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. No, that's yeah. cool. Well, that's all we do here. <laughs> hey, uh, before we go, we always recommend the people, uh, you know, Reach out to us on our Facebook page and also our email address, which is castprotection at gmail.com. And we actually have a fresh email in the email box. Nice. Yeah. So this is from Dave Hallman, H-A-L-L-M-O-N, Hallman, I think is how I would say that. Hey, Dave. He says, says, thanks, guys, for what you do. I finally got Netflix, and Stranger Things was the first show I wanted to tackle. Nice. All my friends watched Mm -hmm. this when it came out. But through your show, I feel like I haven't missed the conversations. Awesome. So that's Yeah, I think that's good. Cool. He says, I've been watching about an episode a week, which how can you just watch an episode a week, Dave? You have much better self-control than, yeah. than I do. Uh, but he's been watching yeah. an episode a week and then listening to the episode of our show usually oh, twice to oh. get through the week. 
That's, so, that's very flattering. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just, that's awesome. He says, I just got to episode six and listened to your episode six. So two more to go. Thank you so much. I'm hoping you guys will do season two, question mark. Do you have oh, yeah. any other podcasts that are episode specific? Good luck and thanks, guys. Mm. Uh, so, Dave, we really appreciate that email. Yeah, we do. Uh, we will We will definitely be doing uh, season two. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 And um, – yeah, those will um will probably fall more in line with your with your viewing. I I will try to uh, endeavor to get those out weekly uh or every 10 days or so after the three of us get through watching it once or twice so we can um mm-hmm. formulate some opinions on it. Um, For sure. Yeah, and um you know, let us know um when you start rolling around to the uh, the extra episodes too and uh you know, any other feedback that you have, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and if uh, if you do catch up and you uh, listen to the commentaries, or if you don't have the movies that we're talking about, you should go to the Two True Freaks Amazon link on twotruefreaks.com. Click on the uh, upper left corner. It'll take you to Amazon. If you purchase anything through it, we get a little bit of a kickback. It'll help keep the uh, the hosting costs down and keep the lights on here. Uh, we don't make any money off it. It really does just go to uh, covering the hosting costs so that we can do this for yeah. free. Yep, so. yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate your time tonight. And, uh, always. You know, always we're getting pleasure. super close. You know, we're getting very close to the start of season two. So, yeah, we, we should just... definitely try and get an episode or two, maybe one or two more episodes in between now and the end of October. But I'm yeah, really no, looking forward November, to season two. November will probably be, uh, when we start in earnest on the, uh, the weekly schedule again for, uh, tackling the episode. So, yeah, we should, we should be able to get one or two yeah. more, uh, bonus episodes out before then I agree for sure I agree alright well uh, thanks again and like I said you can reach out we've got a a Facebook page where I basically just everything that comes across the Stranger Things Facebook page I just like reshare to the site just or the you know our Facebook group just because uh, they've been doing a really cool series of like homage posters yes they've been great They've been all really good. Um, I think the one today, I don't know if I shared it or not. I want to say, was it a Jaws homage? Tremors, I think. Tremors, okay, okay. Which it might have been a Jaws homage itself. Yeah, the only one I couldn't recognize is the one with um, Eleven with the wig with the being backlit. I couldn't remember what that was an homage to. Firestarter. Oh, (laughs) Dude. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That sure With, on that note, it's time for bed, I think, for everyone here on uh, Cast Protection. It is time for bed. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. And uh, thanks, Dave, for your email. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you all later. Take care. Bye-bye. All right.
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Freaks.